Hey, I'm Beth Herbrock, and you're listening to the Good Folk Podcast. This podcast will dive into the lives of some of the talented folks that make our Good Folk Supper Clubs truly magic. Good Folk Supper Club is a pop-up dining experience in the Garden State, where at the heart of it, we're all about good food with good folk for a good cause. Come join us. Special thanks to our producer, Ming Chen, of A Shared Universe Podcast Studio. Welcome. Our guest this morning is Executive Chef Cesare DeCellis, or as I'm going to call him, Chef Ches, because that's a mouthful, even in the morning. Um, he is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and presently the executive chef and partner of B2 Bistro. They have locations in Red Bank, Point Pleasant Beach, and North Brunswick. Also West Reading, Pennsylvania. Here, here. So no longer just in the Garden State. Correct. You're crossing borders. He is also the executive chef at the New Jersey Governor's Mansion, also known as... Drunk Wacket. Mm-hmm. Another mouthful. We have a lot to say this morning. We have had the pleasure of working at not one, but two Good Folks Supper Club events. And this uh, super talented guy is, um, well, he's talented. He's well prepared. He is always up for a good challenge and shows zero fear. Welcome. Searches. <laughs> it ha- it has to be noted that um, of the two good folks separate clubs we worked on together, one was in the pouring rain. They both it rained for both You're events. Right. There was an impending storm slash hurricane for both. Yes. What does that mean? Mm. I bring bad weather. Mm. <laughs> Challenges abound. They were also the most badass of all the separate clubs. By the way, I think those kind of go down in. In epic history. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you laughed all the way through. Yeah. I did give you a lot of brown liquor. That's okay. <laughs> we made it through. We survived. We did. We did. Um, for anyone who is listening, who is unaware of your of your uh, history and background, can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Uh, well, like any chef, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, I started off washing dishes, kind of worked my way up. Uh, that started at 13. Um in high school, I was able to take some time off, move out to Italy. To My dad sent me there because he thought it would change the way I viewed food or restaurants. So he he wanted me not to do this. Huh. So after spending almost a full year in Europe and, and cooking in two different restaurants, I came back and I said, this is what I want to do. Was your father, is your family in food? No. My dad uh, came to this country and he started selling liquor. So he's in the wine business. Okay. So related. Yeah. To food. I like that. uh, But not on the restaurant aspect. It's more on the retail side. Okay. I like that you had a large air quotes time to take off of high school. (laughs) Yeah. Every high school student not listening to this podcast is like, how does what? How does that happen? Well, you have to, you know, talk to the guidance counselor, set everything up, make sure that you can bring your work with you. So I wasn't going to be pushed back a year. I just want to continue what I was doing. So I basically went through a whole summer there and then almost into the new year. Um, so it was about eight months. And right so, on. So I brought all the work with me. I worked through it. And when I got back, I was still with my friends. I was still in the grid. I was supposed to be and graduated on time. So sparks for food were already flying. 
Yes. And you were already working in restaurants before then? And I was washing dishes before I went. I don't buy that your father sent you to Italy to break you of the food habit. Of all the places <laughs> in the world, one does not go to Italy to say, no, food's not for me. That seems false. Well, he <laughs> I don't buy that. My aunt was in the restaurant business, and he wanted me to see what it was like. So the okay. first, one of the restaurants I worked in was one that she was running, the kitchen. And... Um, the food there is so different. It's so simple, and and just going to the farms every day, and and being able to pick fresh produce or dealing with the fishmongers really is what sparked the interest and and making me want to you know continue on this path. So he was hoping that you were going to see the the hard knock life work. of. Of the dedication to the restaurant industry. And you were like, no, this is it. I'm yeah. falling in love with every part of it. And now I also speak Italian. Yeah. Good job, Dad. Okay. Right on. So so that was in high school. And then I'm sure there were – so you came back here after a year. You finished high school. And then what did college mean? Was that – So I went – I was accepted to the Culinary Institute of America. Straight out of high school. Okay. Straight out of high right school. On. I only applied to one school. Um, I was offered a full ride to another school that I declined. Because I wanted to go to the best school. And uh, so, you know, I graduated in 04, still paying off my student loans. <laughs> here, here, America. Uh, but, you know, it was, I had so much knowledge going into school that I was able to really progress and go through classes with no issues. So what was your biggest takeaway? What were the, what were the positives from the Culinary Institute. Do you feel like you learned a lot or you feel like you came in already with a whole bunch of working knowledge and you were there to just kind of fine tune things? Or? Yeah. So I came in with a bunch of working knowledge. I worked under a really good chef that I worked for seven years here um, at the Manor in West Orange. Uh, I worked all through college there. I really learned more about the business aspect and managing staff and writing menus and, and things that I wasn't learning. Because as a young cook, all we want to do is cook. Mm -hmm. We only focus on the food. We don't realize that there's so much more. Mm -hmm. So school really helped me understand that. I spoke to another chef, um, Brendan Neville, who said that he, um, the cooking part of school was the easy part, but he also went to business school. And he yeah. said that was the real challenge. But he knew that if the food part or any part of the restaurant didn't work out, he had this kind of business aspect. And he said that has been the, one of the biggest um yeah, positives. Yeah. The, then the biggest growth spurt was learning that. So Agreed. Yeah, right on. Go business school. Um, so I guess my other question, because I was going to kind of just dive into it, was if there was a defining moment for you with food. But it sounds like that was really early on. Yeah, it was, it was really. I think we all are emotionally connected to food, even as a young child. Because right, we're we're looking to be fed and and by our parents and things like that. I just had that constant um, reinforcement every weekend, every every Sunday that we went to the grandparents' house. Every weekend, my dad would cook. Every time we walked into a house, we always had a garden in the backyard. So there was always reinforcement about food, and just the power of food growing up through the years really brought people together, and it really excited me. And did they want you in the kitchen? I know there's some families, some parents, some grandparents are like, yeah, get out, get out, let me do it. Did no, they, they? Yeah, we were making pasta from a young age. Um, my grandfather, he would bring whole animals home, rabbits and sheep, and we'd raise them. And then. And you're from New Jersey? Where is all this happening? Uh, so I grew up in Clifton. 
Okay. Uh, my grandparents grew up in Garfield. Well, okay. they didn't grow up in Garfield. They were living in Garfield at the time. Both my uncle and my grandfather were butchers. So they would bring home animals. We'd feed them. We'd keep them as pets. And then all of a sudden, they disappear. They run away. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what's on the dinner table? <laughs> and it didn't. So you really, you were surrounded by a lot of food and yeah. all from, from literally ground up and all aspects of it. Yeah. Making pasta, butchery. Making wine, uh, canning tomatoes, all, all that stuff. I grew up around. What are their roots? Italian? Italian. Both sides? Yes. Okay. I'm first generation. Right on, right on. Okay. Very cool. So food's always been in the blood, literally. Um, so you have worked a number of positions. You've worked in and around a number of different restaurants with different chefs. Um, what what were some of your biggest takeaways? What were some of the lessons I think that you learned so straight out of school? I know you've worked in a number of restaurants that everyone can find on LinkedIn, but what were some of the biggest takeaways and things that, that you're appreciate, appreciative that you've learned Well, working in other kitchens before you opened your own? So we're, we're constantly learning every day. If we stop learning, we should just do something else, really. Um, Get on that fishing boat you really want to be on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, really understanding the way some chefs manage, um, the way they perceive food, the way they... Uh, handle it, taking care of ingredients, taking care of staff, not taking care of staff. You learn what you like and what you don't like, and you learn how you want to run a kitchen and how you don't want to run a kitchen. And so really it was every day watching and learning and taking notes. Like if you go in my closet, there's about 250 notebooks from every different restaurant I've ever worked with notes of what I liked, what I didn't like, what dishes were great, what dishes didn't work, how we tested stuff. So it's really building every day and learning what you like and you don't like. So has your goal always been to have a restaurant empire? <laughs> but I mean, did you did you know from the beginning, if you're taking you know copious notes like that and really, really listening and and super focused and aware of all the different aspects of running a restaurant and being a manager, it's that it sounds like that is something that you have wanted. Yeah, I've always wanted to have a restaurant, um, ideally to have my own restaurant <laughs> uh, and kind of get away from the partnerships and things like that just to call something my own that I've worked my whole life for. Uh, really, the end goal for me these days is to have a bed and breakfast um, somewhere by the water. We're, we have our own property. We're growing um, produce where we have a little bit of livestock, really creating this sustainable environment for the bed and breakfast. Making your grandmother's pasta. Yeah. I like it. It's a full circle story. We're done. We have nothing else here. We're okay. done. That's it. We've learned it all. We've heard it all. We understand. We get the we get the dream. What um so I love and can definitely see in the few times I've worked with you and and how you um, work individually and how you are managing your staff that you are very passionate and very driven. But what drives and motivates you? A little bit of everything, really, you know. Um I look at it, if I'm running a staff, as long as I can educate them and mentor them to be better than what they were yesterday, that's really what drives me each day. And I look at it the same way for myself. So today I might have messed up. I've, I still take notes as running a restaurant or running my own kitchens. 
where I messed up, where I think I can do better, do some research and really progress each day, try, just trying to be better than what I was yesterday. What kind of manager would your staff say you are? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Some say that I'm very strict about certain things. Um, some say I'm laid back. But at the end of the day, it's we have to work hard to play hard. So there can be fun. There can be an excitement. Um, but I'm teaching you the basics and the, of techniques and things to move forward. So once you get that, you're allowed to learn new things. Uh, the staff that just wants to learn new things all the time kind of miss that. And they think I'm a hard ass for that. It's a... Being a manager is challenging. It's the hardest part of the job. <laughs> says says everybody, says everybody, because you know the skills that you bring to the table, your strengths and weaknesses, and trying to mentor and coach and bring out strengths in other people they might not know they have yet. Or um, I think that I hear a lot across so many different industries that, you know, this, the kind of the 20 somethings right now are just hungry. They want more. They want more. They want praise. They want what's the next, what's the next, what's the next. I would and, consider them very sensitive mm -hmm. at, sometimes. And I think a bit impatient. And I think that as a parent to some young children who are heading into their tween years, there is so much to be learned about um, being patient and not waiting. It's not to say that, you know, you're, it, listen, nothing in, in a restaurant industry is really waiting. I mean, there's so much work to do all the time, but it's like, you know, I, I am reminded of Japanese culture where you might work on um, eggs for seven years yeah. until you can move on to rice. And it's it's this patience and understanding of let's really fine tune this craft, have respect and ownership over these things before you just move on to the next, the next, the next, the brightest, the next. Exactly. And, and that's the way I grew up in the business. You know, the, the first job when I got back to the States, I was tourneying potatoes for months or fluting mushrooms for months. And I wasn't allowed to touch the line. I wasn't allowed to see a grill, you know, like, so there are a lot of steps you have to take to get where you need to be. Um, and, and patience is part of it. And a willingness to be there when you don't have to be there or showing up early or leaving late and not worrying about the pay and kind of really progressing. And appreciating the beauty in the small things. I think that's where, you know, spending time and having some of that patience, you're you're kind of forced to rein in this desire for more, 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 and yeah. and and find. I mean, if 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 one can say there's beauty in peeling potatoes, but at some point there's that meditative. There has to be something about it, appreciating. It becomes a game, right? So, right. Tell me more. Day one, you're peeling your first case of potatoes. It might take you two hours. Okay, you know it took you two hours. Day two, what do you do? Try to get better because you want to learn. You see somebody else doing something else in the kitchen that you want to learn. So you set a timer and you, you force yourself to get faster and better each day. You look at different people, how they do it, and pick up techniques and have conversations, not just, oh, I, this is what I learned in school. This is how I'm going to do it. And nobody can teach me anything else. Mm -hmm. So really understanding your surroundings and, and having your head on a swivel and and progressing each day and and. And making it a competition against yourself to be better every day. I think that's the drive that I saw in you day one. I mean, that's it. Like you, you really are wired to to push yourself. 
<laughs> well, nobody else is going to push you. Agreed. You have to. It's, nobody Agreed. else is going to take care of you. You have to focus on yourself, and and I think that's in all aspects of life. I agree. Yep. So, um, you have shared a lot of things already, but what what do you really love about working in your field? So, what do you love about food and restaurants? Really taking care of the people. Really making sure that the guests have the best experience and the best meal they can possibly have. Making sure that, you know, the ambiance is right, the food is seasoned well, that they leave with a smile on and they know that they are coming to a restaurant or a dinner that I'm hosting and they know they're getting the best product they can possibly have along with the uh, everything else that has to go with it. So you are equally passionate about the hospitality side yes. as well as back of house. So the, how has that translated then in the constant dance that has to happen between front and back of house? Like who are you looking for in the front of house? Um, we're always looking at the general managers. We're educating the um, servers on the food, why it's on the on the plate, how it got there. Having a story. Everybody should have a story at least on one dish that they would like or want to sell. And really creating this this full circle, you know, you know, the pig came from X, and we did Y and Z to it, and it takes eight days, and this is why it's here, things like that. Have you seen big changes in front and back of house, or? Yes and no. It's always a roller coaster on both ends, and it's really just managing the situation and really figuring out what works and what doesn't work. As a manager, you have to know your staff strengths and you play to each individual strength of the person to really have them do what they need to do. So you have a a lot of experience working for a number of different restaurants. You have also been a um, partner and executive executive chef at B2 for a number of years now. Five. I opened the original one, Red Bank. What do you feel are... What are the biggest challenges? I mean, there's so many, my gosh, in running a restaurant. But what are what are the ones that you find yourself coming up against? Is it more people in management? Is it like what do you what are yeah, what are the biggest obstacles that you see? Finding people to fill roles that you know you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went, Ugh, yes, <laughs> yeah. I I know. <laughs> and clone you. And you know that like it takes X amount of time to do something and you know you can get a certain amount of work done in a week and or you dealt with the same staff and you bring in new managers or things like and it's there's always excuses. So it's not always the managers, it's not always the staff, it's a little bit of everything. Um and letting go. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we just have to let go a little bit so we can <laughs> grow. I know. <laughs> and trust that and, other people are going to step up. And do anything that you've asked them to do. And it's that's the, to the standard really that you the hardest done. part of yeah. growth, mm-hmm. especially going from one restaurant to four, working on others. So mm-hmm. finding the right people and trusting that they're going to do the right thing and and giving them a little bit of the freedom to do that. I yeah. think that's I have a, a yes. There's there's so much that's translatable here to being a parent, but there there is yes either you know managing a staff and, and you try to give them ownership right yes. so that they they feel involved like, but it doesn't always work and and feel that same drive that you were saying like okay I know I can peel potatoes and it takes me this long 
now I'm going to do it better in a shorter amount of time so I can get these other things done. And and how do you instill that internal drive in someone else? Yeah. That's I don't think you can instill it. Salt you know, old dogs can't be taught new tricks sometimes, so you you have to kind of change your ways and understand how somebody else works while you're giving up mm-hmm. or giving, you know, giving them the opportunity to grow and, and run the place like they would want to run it. And also sometimes realizing maybe that's not the right fit. Yeah. And maybe we've just tried every which way to make this work and we just have yeah, to sometimes say, sometimes it doesn't work. Adios, we got to try something else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Hard, hard life lessons. Yeah. So I've, I've set up standard recipes and things like that. And now I bounce around from the restaurants and I say, oh, this is off. This doesn't taste right. What, what's going on? Let me see the recipe you're using. Let's make it again together. So there's always, you know, those things that you have to always check up on. It's a babysitting job at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And learn, yeah, learning and checking in and and FaceTime is really important. I think it's really important. And that's a lot with you working at the governor's mansion with whatever that schedule looks like. So that's a full-time job, six days a week. Um, and why did you... Tell tell me the perks about that one, aside from maybe the obvious that people think, but what 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 has been the biggest kind of um joy? What brings you excitement from this, so, this current position? I love the restaurant business. I love the rush and I love being on the line. But recently married and and you know, we want to have a family and things like that. This was an opportunity for me to step back a little bit from the restaurants and um find some more family time. Um, I've been in the business since I was 13, working my way up. And like I tell everybody, if you like your family and you like holidays and you like the weekends, this is not the job for you. David, are you listening? <laughs> this ties into a conversation we had last night. I'm gonna, we're we're going to replay that. We're just going to loop that phrase right there. Yes. Uh, yep. So not only does it look really good on my resume, and B2's opened a lot of doors for me um, that I've closed and continue to open and this one I just followed through with uh the biggest thing about this job is the relationships I get to build with the farmers um with whether it be dairy or grain or setting up programs for the kids and and teaching them about where our food's coming from all that really t- is is more important to me nowadays than just cooking food so the relationships and new collaborations and and programs and education, yeah, yeah, right on. So I'm working with a lot of farmers now, and and things that I didn't know even existed in New Jersey. I've been able to uh, find out about and get information, and and it's been great. So I'm just going to continue to use that and pass it along. Very cool. So you mentioned briefly that you are recently married congratulations thanks i love her lots i hope she's listening to that she's also like yes restaurants and weekends and holidays um i feel like she also is like waiting for the the years where it's the fishing boat and you guys and the dog and just hanging out but um you have a lot of things that have happened in the past couple of years you have gotten married you have moved you've taken on this new position um I want to know what keeps you grounded when you feel like you have a lot of balls in the air and you are juggling a lot. Where do you go? What do you do? How do you how do you stay grounded? I disappear. 
<laughs> no, um, usually I'll go on an offshore fishing trip and just really shut everything down and be like, hey, listen, I'm gone for a day and a half, two days, a full day, something like that, and just disappear. Just being on the water, I don't know, there's just something about it that makes everything go away. Mm-hmm. And just come back and start over like it's the first time. How often are you able to do this? Uh, a lot less now than before. <laughs> um, but at least I would once a month, one good fishing trip a month. Nice. And you get to bring back the goods. Yeah. So, yeah, right on. I, I, I accept that. I, I will allow it, you to continue this it, it ties, disappearance. You know, it ties it ties into where our food's coming from. We know where it's coming from, how it's treated out of the water. Educational water. field trip. Yes. And I bring it back to the staff. Self-preservation. Yeah. The staff you bring get, them treats. Yeah. They get to learn how to butcher a whole fish. Daddy was gone for a little <laughs> while, but I look what I brought you, some tuna. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, So with... You're not old, but with all of this history behind you. Sure, look, my beard. <laughs> well, now, now we're tuning into the vlog. Um, zoom into the gray hairs that surround this table. Um, when you look back on all that you have accomplished up to this point, what what are the feelings that come to mind? What do you feel? What do you think? It's kind of surreal. I didn't know I would be here, or you know, what path I would really take in the the culinary world. Um, I don't really like to be in the spotlight, so I knew being on TV and doing things like that wasn't for me. Uh, but I want people to know who I am in the same sense. I want them to know that when they see my name or hear about me, they're getting quality products and and, and good service and things like that. So that's it. Yeah. Um, what do you wish that you had known now when you were starting out? Or then, I should say. That's a hard question. There's so much, but we just keep learning. So it's it's really it's it's really hard to answer that question. I think because we're constantly learning. Um, maybe I wouldn't have gone to school. <laughs> I would have stayed in Europe and kind of traveled through <laughs> Europe and and did it that way. Uh, but other than that, I don't really have any regrets or what ifs or anything like that so that's awesome you mentioned the B&B and um, I want to go ahead and like book a night there whenever this is I want to like stamp my date don't worry it'll be a spot where you can host good folks supper yes. club dinners taking over I it sounds like this you've kind of already got um, I'm, I'm actually not surprised that you have this this goal and considering how how focused and driven you are that you're working towards this, you know, even if it's it's a dream, if it's an ultimate dream, that um, you seem to have always had a kind of a bigger picture in mind, and not not um, knowing that there was more than than where you were right now. So, and, and I think it's important for everybody to look that way. It's it, a lot of people get lost focusing on the now, and uh, they lose sight of the bigger picture. For me, it's always been a bigger picture. Um, it's never just been what's in front of me. So I'm always working for something bigger and better. And, and some people are lucky enough to know what they want and what they want to work towards. And some people don't. So Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. 
So to ask if you have a current passion project, there's a lot. But what are you what are you really focused on? When you wake up, what's what's kind of the first thing that you're like really passionate and, and diligently working on right now? Working on myself right mm. now. I've missed a lot of that in my career. So it's really um, getting myself healthy again and, and working on myself to be a better version of me um, for the people around me. Seems like there's a number of chefs that are confronting that right now. I don't know if it's age or if I, it's... I, it's the business. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of mental health issues in the business and uh, suicides and... Excess Drug. and abuse. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of things yeah. at your fingertips all the time. The so. hours are bananas. I always joke. It's like restaurants and stripper hours are the craziest. The turnover is intense. There's literally heat and fire. Your dad sold alcohol for crying out loud. I mean, it's all around. You've <laughs> yeah. got you've got all the things in front of you. So yeah. Well, here, here. You look pretty good. My ass a weird gray beard, but no, you're good. <laughs> Where can people find out more about you and what you're what you're doing? Um, B two Bistro. Dot com. My information's on there. Uh, and that's really it. Instagram, um, Chef to Chill. I don't have a Facebook. No. Nope. And if you're lucky, you'll run into him in the middle of the ocean somewhere. Yeah. Smiling. <laughs> Rarely smiling on a boat with tuna. So. Well, dude, thanks for coming this morning. No problem. High five. Ow! That's it. Thanks for listening to Good Folk Podcast. Be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to follow us on social media at Good Folk Supper Club. And don't forget to check out our website at goodfolksupperclub.com for information about upcoming dinner events.